passionate about the truth of God's Word and will tell you like it is, Autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years, and mom of four kids, and not to mention, everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Hey, hey, guys. Hello, hello. It's Autumn with the Autumn Mile Show. You guys, listen, after the break, we have an awesome guest that's going to be on. It's my conversation with Daniel Fusco. I, I just talked to him forever. I could talk to him forever. He's got amazing energy. You don't want to miss after the break. We are going to talk about his book, Crazy Happy. And um, I love it because I feel like he lives it. He like is legitimately happy. And I loved every second. But I got a story for you. I hope you can just go with me on my application in this story. Okay, so the other day I am, um, I'm on YouTube and I'm searching eyebrows because, you know, I've noticed... I mean, the eyebrow trend has been a trend for like a hot second, okay? Uh, but mama over here needed some education on exactly this trend. I needed to know what in the world, how am I supposed to draw? People's eyebrows look so perfect. Do you ever meet someone and you look at them and you're like, oh my goodness, how are their eyebrows so incredibly perfect? They got like the, the creases and they got like, you know that they use the concealer. This show is like mainly, I know I'm speaking to you women out there, but sometimes it's hard for me to even concentrate on what they're saying because their eyebrows are so good. Okay. So I was on a quest to find out exactly how I could make my eyebrows look like that because my eyebrows were looking rough. Okay, so here I go. I go to Ulta. I go to the Sephora. I go to the YouTube. I'm YouTubing all these videos. I'm like, listen, I am going to make my eyebrows are going to be so good that people are going to not pay attention to what I'm saying because they're looking at my eyebrows. No kidding. This is my goal. So I watched these tutorials and the, you know how you get lost in the rabbit trail of tutorials. I watched like 40, 100 tutorials on YouTube and I'm loving them. Like these girls make it look so easy and it's not, it's not easy guys. It's not. So, but anyway, I go to Sephora, I go to Ulta, I get my little stuff. I get my little recommended products. You know, when they say the link, I'll put the link down in the comments. I'm like, yeah, I'm the one searching for that link, right? So I get all my stuff. I have like six products. I spend a hundred dollars on all of these products. And I'm like, my eyebrows are going to be amazing. I go home. I lay all my products out, take the little plastic off, get everything ready, bought my colors, everything. And I'm trying to do my eyebrows like this one girl. And I don't even know her name. And I wish I did know her name because I would give her some props right here on the show because she, her eyebrows were unbelievable. But I'm drawing my eyebrows on using every tip y'all using my notes that I had taken to try to get them perfectly. And I'm drawing on these eyebrows, you guys, and I'm looking at eyebrows and I just start thinking to myself, thank you, Lord, for eyebrows. Eyebrows, they're such a gift, right? They frame our face. They're so, 
I don't know. They just, it's something about eyebrows that are just, they're good. Like they're just good. I take my daughter, she's 15. She gets her eyebrows, you know, waxed and everything. Now she comes out of there. I'm like, oh my goodness, your eyebrows are perfect. Eyebrows are a gift. And of course, you know, it leads me to Jesus. Literally everything I do, I can pull something spiritual out of it. But how good is God that he gives us something that we really never think about ever? How good is God to do that? I know you're laughing right now because you're like, this is the most ridiculous story I've ever heard. But sometimes we need to step back and we need to be thankful for things that we never even think about like eyebrows. Maybe I'm thinking a little too much about eyebrows, but typically we don't think about them. Cassie just told me she thinks about taste buds all the time. And she's like, God didn't have to give us taste buds, but he gave us taste buds. And and Cassie loves like really weird food. And so she's, she's loving the taste buds because she eats all these different things, but God gives us these things to enjoy in our life. So today, here's my challenge before we get to my break and my amazing guest who you guys will love. I want you guys to thank God for something you typically don't even think about. Thank God for your eyebrows. Thank God that you got them. Thank God for things like, you know, fingernail. Like, what would we do without fingernails? Look at my fingernails. They're crazy. What would we do without fingernails? What would we do without them? Sometimes we need to step back and start thanking and appreciating the little things that God has given us. And that's what I did about eyebrows. That's a good story, right guys? Okay. I'll catch you after the break with my amazing guest, Daniel Fusco. We'll be talking about his book, Crazy Happy. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Does it seem like God is answering everyone's prayers but yours? Do you want to see results from your prayer life? Do you feel as if you are a professional Christian with an amateur prayer life? If so, Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer, is for you. Autumn Miles wrote Gangster Prayer because she herself experienced disappointment from years of praying with little results. Gangster Prayer will show you how to unlearn bad habits in prayer and build your prayer life on a foundation of faith and not doubt. Get your copy of Gangster Prayer today at autumnmiles.com or anywhere books are sold. Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, guys. It is your girl, Autumn Miles. Listen, I have a guest for you today. And let me tell you, when I came across his book, I was like, yes, we need it. We need this guest. We need this book. I'm going to tell you the title before I tell you his name. The title of the book, and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, of course. I need that in my life right now. The title of the book is Crazy Happy crazy happy. Do you not need that in your life right now? I feel like we all need it. And my guest name is Daniel Fusco. Did I say that right, Daniel? Did I say it right? You did great, Autumn. Yes. Okay, perfect. I was like, I, I want to get his name 100% right. Uh, Daniel has written a ton of books. He's got his own podcast. I'm I'm uh, pretty sure you've got a radio show. You've got a TV show. You do stuff with Hillsong. So you, you're kind of everywhere doing everything. You're also a pastor. Is that right? 
That's correct. I pastor a great church called Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. So, you know, those people that you read their bios and you're like, okay, okay, yeah, okay, that's really good. Okay, there's more. Okay, wow, wow. Okay, that was kind of how I was when my uh, when my assistant was reading your bio. Bottom line, guys, Daniel has got a word for us today from his new book, which is called Crazy Happy. We all need to be happier. I wanted him on the show. This is going to be like a fresh meadow that you're laying down in on a nice warm summer day. It's going to refresh you. I just know it. Welcome to the show, Daniel. How are you? I'm doing great. And I'm just going to say, I, I know everyone who's listening right now, they just totally adore and appreciate you, Autumn. And, and I'm just, <laughs> even in like the time before we started recording, just cutting it up, laughing. And so we're going to have a blast together. So thanks for having me. Okay, so we have to talk about what we were talking about before because everyone who downloads the podcast knows that I am my daughter's parent instructor. And you guys, guess what? He has a 16-year-old named Obadiah, which I'm obsessed with that name. And he's teaching his son how to drive. So give me a stop. What is that like? Tell them what you just told me. I want it, I want them to hear so you know they can relate. Yeah, so so my background is I'm all Italian from New Jersey. So like, you know those loud Italian people, like whatever your preconceived idea, that's the family that I grew up in. And and I'm a pastor, so like I got a big mouth. And so but like my, with my son as he's learning how to drive, I want to be like the calm person. And so my bride Lynn asked Obadiah like, "Hey, so so buddy, how's dad when you're driving?" And he's like, "Man, Dad is so calm when I'm driving. And, and my bride Lynn came and said, so Obadiah said you're so super calm. I'm like, I may be calm on the outside, but I am completely freaked out on the inside. Like I, I, I'm like, my teeth are clenched and I'm like, break, break, break. And so, I, and, and you know, by God's grace, he's doing really good so far. But man, I mean like God, like God is teaching me patience while I'm teaching my son how to drive. I told him, you guys, before we came on the show that Grace, she will measure how well she's doing by how many times I scream the name of Jesus. And let me tell you, Daniel, we went on a ride yesterday and I didn't have to call out to Jesus one time. And we we parked the car and she was like, you were really quiet. How did I do? And I'm like, you did good. You did great. <laughs> so anyway, okay. So we want to get to your book because I want everyone to be crazy happy. So you wrote the book called Crazy Happy. I actually, uh, a little bit earlier when I was researching you, the book and all those kind of things, I even love the first page. I'm going to read it. Okay. I'm going to read it to you guys out there. If I can get to it, we got the forward, we got the, the title page, we got the this, we got the that. Okay, here we go. His first page says this. I want to ask you a big question, but first I want to give you a moment to get ready. Don't worry. This isn't a hard question. It isn't overly personal either but it is an important question and you don't want to overthink the answer. Are you ready? Take a moment, breathe in, breathe out. Here it is. What is the happiest moment you can remember? Boom. I love this opening because you, I'm such a challenger. I'm like, challenge me, tell me, you know, you know, give it to me, challenge my faith, challenge where I am in my life. You start out this book Tell me what's the happiest moment ever. And we all have a happiest moment. You go on to talk about when you married your wife, Lynn, which I would love to hear about. I, I really want to focus on how we get back to happy after what we've been through this year. So for those that are listening right now, I want you to think of a moment in the last year or two 
that you have been happy. And if you can't think of that moment, well, this is the show for you. Tell me about the heart behind the book, Daniel. I want to hear what your heart is behind this. Well, so I, I think the universal human condition is, you know, like I want to be happy. And I always tell people that's a great thing. Like, like if someone said, Hey, like, I just want to be miserable. We'd all be like, Hey, that's not so good right now. And I always like to joke that there's a reason why McDonald's never started to sell a sad meal. Like they sold a happy meal for a reason. It's like, right. you know, it's like, nobody's like, yeah, I'll, I'll have a, a big Mac and fries and a, and a box of tissues so I can cry <laughs> with my burger. Like, so, so the, like everybody wants to be happy both outside the church and inside the church, like the people yeah. of God and everybody else, everybody wants to be happy. But I think all of us know what it's like to, to pursue happiness only to find what the preacher in the book of Ecclesiastes found. Like, yeah, I, I did that, but it wasn't really fulfilling. I did yeah. that and it wasn't really fulfilling. And I call that the hamster wheel of happiness seeking. And before I came to know Jesus, I did it. And then when I came to know Jesus, I still caught myself doing it in all these different ways. And, and I really started to think to myself, man, like everybody wants to be happy, but like, why is it so hard to find? And what I started doing was, and it happened to me at a time in my life, I get to pastor this amazing church. I'm writing books, got a radio, TV ministry, all this stuff's going on and God's doing a great work. I'm like blown away that I get to do this, but I found myself being unfulfilled. And I'm like, what's going on right now? And I'm like, well, I'm going to do what any self-respecting Christian would do. I'm going to search the scriptures. You know, and, and what happened was, is I landed uh, at the Beatitudes, you know, Jesus's yeah. most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous section, the, the blessed are those. And I started kind of meditating there. And then I was reminded of something that I heard many years earlier, that the word blessed in the Beatitudes, makarios in the Greek language, one of the best translations of it is, oh, how happy is the person? Hmm. And I'm like, wait a second, 2000 years ago, Jesus already explained, this is what a happy person is. And I started, and as you start looking at the list, that's why I call it crazy happy. Cause I'm like, God has a plan for happiness, but it's found in crazy places. Like nobody said like, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like, oh, how happy is the humble. So I'm like, what nobody ever said, man, I'm not so happy. Well, you should focus on getting humble. <laughs> but that's exactly what Jesus said. And so, you know, and, and I see God's, I don't like what's been going on. Obviously 2020 into 20, it's been a, it's been a dumpster fire on so many levels, yeah. you know, um, but like I, I see God's providence and God's hand in this message coming out now because everyone's so crispy. Everyone's brittle. They're tired. They're frustrated. So I'm like, let's let Jesus redefine or define for us how we it's already defined happiness for us so that we can see how do I walk in this world in God's plan of happiness for my life. And so, okay, so I um, I love that. And I think I actually, I was talking to a pastor not five minutes before I logged on here. And he was talking to me about the amount of people he has counseled lately in depression. And they just can't seem to break free, to break out. They can't seem to start. They know the scriptures because a lot of us know the scriptures. I, I know a lot of people that download the podcast, they know the scriptures how do we start to break out of like maybe a rut that we have mentally or a depression and move towards the Beatitudes? I love the Sermon on the Mount, but what would be a tangible, practical step in order to do that? Well, I, I think the very first step, a uh, good old, that great American theologian, G.I. Joe said, knowing is half the battle. So I think we have to start by just yeah. acknowledging like, this is what I'm struggling with. And I think all that's coming out as a pastor, you know, 
we're seeing it too here in the Pacific Northwest. It's like there is, you know, there is a social crisis that has been brewing for a long time. And between the pandemic and the politics and the social unrest, you know, and all these things, now all of a sudden it's like there is a social crisis that's here. And so I think it begins by acknowledging like, I'm in a hole because I think there's it's hard to to make a plan to simply respond to Jesus and move out of the holes that we're in until we're willing to acknowledge where we are. And yeah. so I think a vulnerability in times of crisis is hard to come by because I think what happens is in times of crisis, we're just trying to make it through the next five minutes, let alone be like, this is where I'm really at right now. So I think you have to begin by by acknowledging it and, and not just acknowledging I'm struggling, but defining where am I specifically struggling? You know, so I think it begins with with a definition. And I, I love that because, you know, God is the great physician and any gr- any decent physician doesn't just put you in surgery. They say, listen, you got this going on, this going on and this going on. And the way we treat these things is this and this. Mm-hmm. So like if you were to go to a doctor, he's like, listen, doesn't tell you anything like, look, we're prepping you for surgery. You can say, what are you doing? He's like, oh, don't worry. Trust me. No, no. A, a good doctor is going to tell you what he's going to work on before he works on it. And Jesus is the great physician. So he wants to help us understand this is where you're struggling. And then depending on what it is, then there is an action plan that he invites us into in the spirit that will line up with the scriptures that will be the the path that we take, the prescription that he gives us to to, uh, move from where we are to where we haven't been in a while or maybe to where we've never been. And so like I like to always tell people that God is inviting us. Ultimately, we, we learn it's always about our identity in Jesus, how we see ourselves. Every issue we have is an identity problem. But depending on what the specifics are for somebody, that would depend on, okay, so this is what the cross and the empty tomb means to me being right there, you know, and then God is inviting us to abide in Jesus and be filled and to reprioritize and get a fresh perspective on what's going on. I love that because I feel like we live in a culture of I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. I'll be okay. It's almost like, you know, we talk about community so much, but even in community, we throw around this word, I'm okay. It's almost like a pride thing. Like, I'm okay. I don't need your help. It's okay. But you're saying the opposite thing. It's it's time to open up. It's time to actually admit, listen, I am struggling with the fact that I had to quarantine for X amount of days. I'm struggling with the political climate. I'm struggling being more uh, transparent kind of transfers you into more of a happy life, kind of a purge almost. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, that word fine, it stands for freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. That's, that's, you know, so when someone says I'm fine, I'm like, are you freaked out, insecure, neurotic, or emotional? Because we do say that. And I think, especially within the people of God, I realize not everyone who's listening to this uh, would say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. And if you're not, we love that you're listening and, yes. and we want you to follow Jesus. But yes. no matter where someone's coming from, in the church, people say I'm fine because, you know, they're too blessed to be stressed or whatever. And you don't want to pretend like there's anything wrong. And if you're not in the church, you're like, yeah, I just don't want to tell people that I'm not doing great. But like you think about that very first beatitude, you know, a person who's poor in spirit is humble enough to acknowledge like, dude, I'm struggling right now. Yeah. You know, I, I don't ever miss the fact Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane grabbed Peter, James and John, three of his dudes that he had been discipling and pouring into. And he said, listen. I'm distressed right now. He like he was. He's like, I'm gonna go pray. I just want you to be here. I don't even need, don't encourage. Just be here, you know. And so, and if Jesus could be vulnerable enough to his disciples, then how much more? It's okay. Nobody thinks that we all have it all together anyway. All you have to do is ask our spouses or our kids. They know we don't have it all together. So to be able to acknowledge the fact that hey, I'm struggling. 
that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. That actually means you're human. And that's actually the invitation spot for where Jesus wants to do a work of transformation. I love that. I actually taught about that passage yesterday. He said, I am deeply uh, distressed to the point of death. Like he was not like, oh, I'm fine. It's all, I'm Jesus, like throwing his Jesus card around. He was like, I'm about to die. That is how distressed I am. So I love that you brought that up. Okay. So you hear the word and I feel like, you know, this is actually one of the questions that your publisher sent us. It, it does seem kind of shallow, like happy and the, and the church, I feel like we're all like, no, we're full, full of joy. Like, it's almost like happy is such an idol. I want to be full of joy and full of the Holy Spirit. So we talk, it sounds a little bit shallow. We maybe feel good about, about asking God for happiness, which is what this question that I'm reading, but talk to me about what God wants for our lives. I feel like we push off happiness so much. Tell me what he wants for us. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, this is the big question because so many people are like, oh, crazy happy. It's so superficial, so trivial. And then, of course, I always get people, Christians who are like, God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. And it's like, but bro, yes, if yes. you're holy, then you're happy in Jesus. Like, like, so like being holy does not mean you're unhappy. So yeah. I think what's gone on is that the people of God has allowed the culture to define happiness as superficial and trivial. But yeah. like Jesus talked about this way before America was even a country. And you know, yeah. you go all the way back in Psalm 144, 15, it says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Yes. You know, it says, you know, I always tell people that the, the blessed person in the Bible, it can always be translated the happy person, right? It says, blessed is the person whose sins are forgiven. So for me, like if you're, if, God is the Lord. If he's your Lord and your sins are forgiven in Jesus, then you should be the crazy happiest person that anyone has ever met. Not in a superficial way, because our culture defines it superficial, but we're really talking about deep abiding fulfillment in the depths of who we are, that when it hits the emotional level is what we call happy. Yeah. So it's like, so I always said like to trivialize happiness, we're not talking about happiness and happenings. We're talking about a deep abiding sense of well-being that wells up from Jesus in the spirit and ends up gushing over into a broken and messed up world in which we live in. And it's like, this is what it means to be salt and light. This is what it means to, to walk in the spirit. This is what the abundant life is all about. Like, I'm like, try to define the abundant life for me without happiness. Yeah. And you can't. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to get back to just some practical steps. You talk about the fruit of the spirit, which clearly is a big deal in uh, Galatians. You you kind of parallel them with the Beatitudes. Talk to me about that because I found that really awesome. Well, so I'll be honest with you, Autumn. I just thank the spirit of the Lord for that because <laughs> literally I'm like, I'm meditating. Remember I told you I was, I was, I was going through the season. I'm meditating on the Beatitudes. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of one of those like, you know, mover and a shaker kind of people. You know, maybe I I was ADHD when I was a kid before they diagnosed that stuff. And so I've always like, I always got something going on. So I was meditating on the nine Beatitudes and about five days into this process, I'm like, Hey, isn't there nine fruit of the spirit? And I'm like, Oh yeah, there's nine. So I, like, I go over to Galatians five and I'm like, Oh yeah, there's nine of them. Like, I wonder what happens if I put the nine Beatitudes and the nine fruit of the spirit together. Cause like, I believe God's word is perfect and the spirit inspired it. I'm like, Hey, and I'm like, and, and I, I resisted the urge to mix up the order so that it made sense to my brain. I'm like, the and I put it together and then I just started journaling and I'm like, Oh, this creates a beautiful tapestry. And what yeah. I started to realize is that like, 
everybody believes the happy life is embodied in the fruit of the spirit, love and joy and peace and long suffering and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. So when someone's walking in that, no doubt they're a happy person and other people are happy around them because of the God-like qualities that the spirit is working in their life. So I'm like, when you put the, Jesus said the, the nine beatitudes, the hap, the blessed person are these things. And you put it with these very apparent fruit that God wants to birth our life. You put it together. Now for me, that really creates the context for the entire book, Crazy Happy, Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life. And what you begin to find is when you put them together, you learn certain truths that are powerful. Like, let me tell you, I already mentioned the first yes. beatitude, right? Like, you know, oh, how happy or blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So I make the point that happiness is on the other side of humility. Humility is the first step in the happiness journey. But then if you marry that to the fruit of the spirit is love, mm. then you ask yourself, why do I struggle to love somebody? Mm. The answer is simple because of pride. Like we don't love someone because in some ways we've determined that we are superior to them, maybe because of their lifestyle choices or they vote differently than we vote or they, they root for a different sports team or they live on the wrong side of town or whatever it is. So really like pride is the happiness killer. Humility is the entry point to happiness. And the humble person has no problem loving anybody because everybody, even though I might not struggle with the same things, we all struggle. You know, yeah. so so humility is what drives us to love in a self-sacrificial way. Like Jesus said that the greatest in his kingdom is the servant of all, mm. you know? And so it's like, it's like, well, unless you're in Jesus, nobody's like, hey, I, I want to be a servant today. But then once you realize what Jesus has done for you, then you're like, oh, because he served me and he died for me. Now I want to give my life for other people. Mm. And you love people because now you don't think my, I'm more important than being able to help this person. You're like, no, no. I'm actually here to help this person. Yeah. And, and humility frees us up to love people. And I always like to tell people that when you love people, that is where happiness is found because Jesus said you're more blessed, you're happier to give than receive. And when you're giving the love of God to somebody who you wouldn't normally even like to talk to, there is a unique fulfillment and deep mm -hmm. abiding sense of happiness when we do that, and you can see when you look at the apostles through the scriptures, if you read any missionary biography or, or, or church history, you find the people of God are always coming back to, I was serving these people in Jesus' yes. name. And I found, I was so happy. Read about uh, Teresa of Calcutta, who we know as Mother Teresa. You know, she's like, she's like, I found so much happiness mm. in serving the most marginalized and the poorest of the poor in India. I, I see Jesus in them. And you're yeah. just like, wow. So it's like, it bears out in experience, not just in biblical reality. See, I feel like we are chasing this thing. The, the, this is so counterculture. And culture is saying, I'm, if I get this, then I'll be happy. If I get this husband, or if I get this whatever, I get this car, or get this house or job or whatever. It's like Satan has invaded culture to say, if you get, then you'll be. And it's always like the carrot that you can never... You never can reach that carrot. You never can get it. But if we are giving, that's when we find ourselves truly happy. And I think, you know, we are so almost full of ourselves <laughs> and, and the culture and we need to start giving. Now, but one of the first things I, I say to people that are like, I'm just really depressed and I can't find this and that. I'm like, do you serve at your church? Do you serve? 
do what what are you doing for somebody else because you will find just a supernatural fulfillment in that okay so we got to wrap it up we're running out of time i could talk to you about this for a long time it's it's so incredibly it's so needed <laughs> so oh lord it's so needed right now um i want to know about you just personally what are some things that you do in order to just remind yourself and even refresh your happiness what are some things that you personally do you know on a daily basis yeah so i mean i i think that the one of the keys to happiness is you got to master your mornings so like you know so like i wake up you know, um, obviously, you know, you get out of bed, you know, it's like I get a cup of coffee because the Holy Spirit and caffeine is like my Amen. one of my paths to, to, to happiness. Yes. And yes. I, I say that tongue in cheek, obviously, you know, but but he did call them Hebrews. So, you know what I mean? Like, so so God's into the brew and the coffee in the morning. I'm just kidding. Um, Amen. But but seriously, like I start every day in the, in the scriptures and in and in dialogue with my with my father in heaven. You know, it's like, so before I grab the phone and I love the phone, love social media, but before I look at any of that, like I need to get into God's word and I need to talk to my father. I need to let him talk to me. I need that. Another thing that we, I think we all need to do is we need to make sure that we keep God's priority list uh, solid. So according to my Bible, the God's list of priorities, it's, it's our relationship with God, then it's our spouse, then it's our kids, then it's our jobs, and then it's entertainment. You know what I mean? And all other things, but you know what I mean? Like it's that right. list. And if you're not married, it's your relationship with God. And then it's the relationship with your, with your family, you know what I mean? And then it's your vocation, you know? And so I think what our culture has done is it's kind of flipped the priority uh, script mm -hmm. where we love being entertained and I love being entertained too, you know? And so, but we're not prioritizing God and then the people most important to us. And so yeah. I'm always like, Lord, I want to make sure it's you, Jesus, it's my bride, Lynn, it's our kids, Obadiah, Maranatha, and Annabelle, you know, and then it's, you know, it's, it's our, it's the ministry and, 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 our, and our vocation. And, and as long as I keep everything in the right priorities, if I let the church stuff get in front of my marriage, that's a problem. If I yeah. let my marriage get in front of my Jesus, that's a problem. You yeah. know what I mean? And once we get things out of order, then it's impossible to find deep abiding happiness because it's already out of order, yeah. you know? And so every day I'm, and I'm always working to say, you know, and there are different seasons, like obviously like your mom of four kids and, and a wife and you have ministry concerns and life concerns. And, you know, it's like it's there are different seasons that different areas of life need more or less attention, right. you know, and, and that's OK. But as long as we're always making sure even when something needs more attention, I need to make sure my priorities are solid. I'm honoring the Lord first. You know, like me and my bride talk about this a lot. We love our kids. But it's really easy to put raising kids in front of making sure we're having a good marriage and being good yes. companions to each other and, yeah. and encouraging each other on the journey of life to fulfill God's calling mm -hmm. on our lives. And so just always making sure that the priorities are right. And I think that's what I try and do in the book, Crazy Happy. It's about reframing happiness as to how Jesus and the scriptures talk about it and making sure that we're we're getting at life in accordance with God's word, not just the crazy ways our culture tells us that happiness is found. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. My husband at the beginning of the year in January, he was like, I was, I get up at five every morning to have my time before the kids get up. And then it's like a train wreck. Uh, but my husband was like, I'm going to start working out. Can I get up at five? And I need that time. And I was like, <gasps> I don't think I can, you got it. No, I, you can't get up at five. Or if you get up at five, you have to leave because I need that time because I'm with you. Jesus made the coffee bean and he knew that we would need it. So I believe it's an inspired plant. Okay. But it is so true. When he said that to me, it was like, 
wait a minute. I don't think I can do, I don't think I can commit to that because I don't know, am I going to want to talk to you in the morning? I mean, I love you, but I need this time with the Lord. So it is so important that you get up. I love that you said that and and start your morning right and get your priorities straight and stuff like that. We got to go. I hate that we got to go. I love that we had you on the show, uh, Daniel. The book is called Crazy Happy and you need it. Here's the thing. You know that you need it deep down. He is going to tell you biblically, which is another reason why I wanted to have him on the show. This is not like self-help. This is not 10 ways to be happy. This is how Jesus and Paul wrote in the scriptures in order to get there. This is a roadmap, a blueprint for you to help you get out of that slump of Corona 2020. Let's move on. Let's put that baby to bed and let's start something new. Get the book, Crazy Happy. Daniel Fusco was my guest today. Daniel, thank you so much for being on the show. I loved it. Oh, the pleasure's all mine, Autumn. You're a blast. Everyone knows this. You're a blast. (laughs) Well, God bless you and God bless your family and your ministry and everything that you have going on. You're just such a blessing and, um, and we thank you for being here. God bless you. Thanks so much. Thank you guys for listening. You know you can catch your girl right back here next week on the Autumn Law Show. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There, you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show.